You are listening to the Mystical City of God in Here podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in Here podcast, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can send a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 342. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 10, Paragraphs 575 to 584. Chapter 10. The Exercises in Memory of the Passion Practiced by the Most Holy Mary, The Reverence with Which She Received Holy Communion, and Other Doings of Her Most Holy Life. 575. Without ever failing in her attention to the exterior government of the church, as I have until now made plain, the most blessed Mary, in secret, practiced other exercises and good works by which she merited innumerable gifts and blessings from the Most High, as well for the common benefit of all the faithful, as for myriads of particular souls in furtherance of their salvation. As far as I can in these last chapters, I shall, for our instruction and admiration, and for the glory of the Most Blessed Mother, write of these hidden and unknown works. First of all, I will state that notwithstanding the many privileges which the great Queen of Heaven enjoyed, she constantly kept present in her memory the doings and the mysteries of the life of her divine Son. For besides the abstractive visions by which she in these last years continually saw the divinity and knew all things, the Lord had from her conception conceded to her the privilege of never forgetting what once she had known or understood, for in this regard she enjoyed the privilege of an angel, as I have stated in the first part. 576. I also stated in the second part in writing of the Passion that the Blessed Mother felt in her body and purest soul all the pains and torments of our Savior Jesus, so that none of them were hidden to her or without the corresponding suffering in her own self. All the images or impressions of the Passion remained imprinted in the interior, just as she had received them, for she had made this request of her Lord. These were not blotted out, as were the other sensible images through the vision of the divinity. Rather, they were made more vivid, in order that she might miraculously rejoice in her compassion, and at the same time suffer those sorrows. For this was her desire during the time she was still to live in mortal flesh, and to this exercise she directed her natural willpower. As exquisite as her favors and privileges were, 
according to what I have always maintained in my discourse, they nevertheless were all pledges and tokens of the reciprocal love of her divine Son, who, in our way of speaking, could not contain himself or refrain from dealing with his mother as the God of love, as the omnipotent, infinitely rich in mercies. But the most blessed virgin did not ask for them or seek them, for her sole desire was to be crucified with Christ, to continue within herself his sorrows, renew his passion, and withhold this, it seemed to her useless and idle to live in passable flesh. 577. Hence she ordered all her occupations in such a manner that she might at all times preserve in her heart the image of her divine son, afflicted, outraged, wounded, and disfigured by the torments of his passion. And within her she beheld this image as in a most clear mirror. She heard the injuries, outrages, affronts, and blasphemies against him with the circumstances of time and place, and she beheld the whole passion as in one living and penetrating vista. Throughout the day, the sorrowful vision excited her to most heroic acts of virtue and stirred her sorrow and compassion. But her most prudent love did not content itself with these exercises. During stated hours and time, she engaged in other exercises with her holy angels, especially with those I have mentioned in the first part, as bearing the tokens of the escutions of the instruments of the Passion. These, in the first place, and then the other angels, she engaged as assistants in the following exercises. 574. For each kind of the wounds and sufferings of Christ our Savior, she recited special prayers and salutations in order to give them special adoration and worship. For each of the contemplations and insulting words of the Jews and his other enemies, which had been spoken either in envy or in fury or vengeance, for each of the blasphemies uttered. She composed special hymns of veneration and honor to make up for their attempts at diminishing it. For the insulting gestures, mockeries, and personal injuries, she practiced most profound humiliations, genuflections, and prostrations, and in this manner she sought continually to make up for the affronts and injuries heaped upon her divine Son in his life and in his passion. And thus she confessed his divinity, his humanity, his holiness, his miracles, his works, and his doctrines. For all she gave him, glory and magnificence, and in all the holy angels joined her and corresponded with her of admiration of such wisdom, fidelity, and love, united in a mere creature. 579. Even if the most blessed mother during her whole life had engaged in no other occupation than these exercises, she would have accomplished and merited more than all the saints in all that they have done or suffered for God. By the force of love, her sorrow in these exercised was equal to martyrdom many times over, and many times would she have died in them if the divine power had not sustained her life for still greater merit and glory. And if, as is true, she in her immense charity offered all these works for the church, let us consider how much we are in debt as faithful children, for thus increasing the treasures of help which she left at the disposal of us unfortunate children of Eve. And in order that our meditation may not be half-hearted and lukewarm, I will say that the effects of her contemplations were often astounding. Many times she wept tears of blood which covered her whole face. At other times in her agony she was not only bathed in perspiration, but in a bloody sweat, running from her even to the ground. What is more, sometimes her heart was wrenched with its natural position by the violence of her grief, 
And when she was in such extremes, her divine son came from heaven, furnishing her with new strength and life to soothe her sorrow and heal the wounds caused by love of him. And in order that such assistance and comfort, she might continue the exercises of her compassion. 580. The Lord, however, wished her to lay aside these sorrowful sentiments and affections on the days in which she commemorated the mystery of his resurrection, as I will speak of later on, in order that there might be maintained the proper relation between cause and effect. For some of these sorrows were incompatible with the favors overflowing in their effects upon the body, yet excluding pain. But she never lost sight of his sufferings and therefore felt other effects of her compassion by uniting with her joys, the gratitude, for what the Lord endured. Thus, in the sweetness of all the favors of the Lord, his passion entered as a mixture of bitterness. She obtained also the consent of the evangelist St. John to remain retired in her oratory for celebrating the death and burial of her divine son on the Friday of each week. On those days, St. John remained in the Senecle to receive those who called upon her and allow none to disturb her. And whenever he could not attend to this duty, it was performed by some other disciple. The Most Blessed Mary retired for this exercise at five o'clock on Thursday and did not reappear until noon on Sunday, in order that during these three days no important matter pertaining to the government of the church might be neglected. The great lady appointed one of her angels to take her shape and briefly dispatch what would suffer no delay. So provident and attentive was she in all affairs of charity, touching her children and domestics. 581. To describe or comprehend what happened with our Heavenly Mother during the exercises of these three days can never be within our capacity. The Lord alone, who was the author of them, shall one day manifest it to us in the light of the saints. Also, what I myself have come to know of it, I am unable to describe. I will only say that beginning with the washing of the feet, the Most Blessed Mary commemorated all the mysteries up to that of the resurrection. And in each hour and moment, she renewed in herself all the movements, actions, works, and sufferings as they had happened in her divine Son. She repeated the same prayers and petitions as he himself had made, and as we have seen described in their place. Anew, the most pure mother felt in her virginal body all the pains endured by Christ our Savior. She carried the cross and placed herself upon it. In short, I will say that as long as she lived, the whole passion of her divine Son was renewed in her week for week. Through this exercise, the great queen gained great favors and blessings for those who devoutly bear in mind the Lord's passion. And hence, the powerful queen had promised to all such souls special assistance and participation in the treasures of the passion. For she desired from her inmost heart that the church should continue and persevere in commemoration. In virtue of her wishes and prayers, the Lord ordained that afterwards many persons in the Holy Church should follow these exercises of the Passion, imitating his most blessed mother, who was the first one to teach and practice such an exalted profession. 582. In these exercises, the great queen sought especially to celebrate the institution of the most blessed sacrament by new hymns of praise, of thanksgiving, and fervent love. She was solicitous to invite for this purpose her own angels and many others from the Empyrean heaven, in order to assist and accompany her in these praises of the Lord. It was a wonder worthy of his omnipotence that the Most High should send from heaven multitudes of angels to view this prodigy of Christ's remaining sacramentally present in her heart from one communion to the other, and to incite them to give glory and praise for the wonderful effects of his sacramental presence in this creature, 
whom they beheld more pure and more holy than the angels and seraphim and the like, of which they had not seen or would ever see in all the rest of creation. 583. It was not less wonderful to them, just as it ought to be to us to see, that though the great queen was worthy of preserving within herself the sacred species as in a tabernacle, she was so solicitous in preparing herself anew by the most fervent exercises and devotions every time. She was again to receive Holy Communion, and this she did nearly every day, except on those in which she remained in her oratory. She first offered up for this purpose her weekly exercises of the Passion, and besides this, whenever she retired at nightfall, before the Day of Communion, she began other exercises, such as prostrations in the form of a cross, genuflections, prayers, and adorations of the immutable essence of God. She asked permission of the Lord to speak to him and to permit her, in spite of her earthly lowliness, to partake of his Son in the Holy Sacrament. She appealed to his infinite bounty and to his love toward the Church and thus remained sacramentally present as a reason that should be favored with the blessing. She offered to him his own passion and death, the worthiness with which he had communicated himself, the union of his human nature with the divine, all his works from the moment of his conception in the virginal womb, all the virtue of the angelic nature and its works, of all the just in past, present, and future times. 584. Then she made most intense acts of humility, professing herself, but dust and ashes in comparison with the infinite being of God, to which the highest creatures are so inferior and unequal. In the contemplation of what she was to receive sacramentally, she was so affected and so deeply moved that it is impossible to describe it in words, for she raised herself and transcended above the choirs of seraphim and cherubim, and as in her own estimation she considered herself the lowest of all creatures, she called upon her guardian angels and upon all the other angels, asking them with incomparable humility to supplicate the Lord, to dispose and prepare her for receiving him worthily, since she was but an inferior and earthly creature. The holy angels, obeying her in joyful admiration, assisted and accompanied her in these petitions, in which she persevered for the greater part of the night, preceding her holy communion. This concludes our reading today for day number 342. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 10, Paragraphs 575 to 584. One of the things that we have previously heard is that when Mary returned to Jerusalem, she would walk the different places of significance in the life of her son Jesus. Now, when she was unable to trace those steps, we hear today in our reading that she relived the Passion, that she meditated on it, that she reflected upon it. She kept in her memory what Jesus did and what he accomplished. She renewed the sentiments of the Passion, and we heard and were reminded what Maria Vagrida previously wrote, that Mary experienced the Passion, that she felt the pain, and so she undergoes this again and again, now, we kind of do this on Fridays, especially during Lent when we pray the Stations of the Cross, but throughout the year, in a more particular way, we can also do the same thing as Our Lady. We can observe the moments of the Passion of Jesus. And on Fridays, even though uh, we kind of have gone away from a meatless Friday throughout the year, the Church still encourages it. Otherwise, 
you should do some sort of penance on Fridays throughout the year. And that penance is a reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that Jesus died for us on that Friday. Mary had special prayers and salutations. She did specific acts of devotion as a way to pray over the wounds of Jesus for her to remember, to meditate. And that remembrance and that meditation moved her to a greater love for her son. It moved her also to a greater love for us, for whom Jesus died. Imagine what it would be like for us if we more consistently meditated on the passion of Jesus, what good it would do for our soul. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I am grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.